Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled, and I'm so excited for our guest today. He's so much fun. He is joining us all the way from Denmark, and the time difference like isn't too crazy. I'm over in the U.S. in the South in Nashville, Tennessee, and he's all the way in Denmark. It's like early afternoon, and for him, it's like evening time, so it's not like anything like two or three in the morning and crazy, but I'm so excited that you took time to join us today. So Klaus, welcome to Business Unveiled. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And as I sometimes say, it's risky to ask a Scandinavian, how are you? Because we'll just take it seriously. We'll give a long answer. You'll be depressed. I'll be depressed. The half hour will be gone. And what you really just wanted was, I'm fine. (laughs) So we'll start there. No, I'm great. (laughs) I'm great. And thank you for asking. No, like where I live and in the South, it's like, and I love this day and time where people are brutally honest and, and some social media has done some of that just with, uh, some people like to be transparent. And so it's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm fucking tired sometimes. <laughs> like, you know, I'll just say it, but anyway, it's funny, but before we jump off, and start talking all about the good stuff. Can you share with anyone listening or watching a little bit about your background? Because as we were saying earlier, I don't want people to think that like you just roll out of bed, hit your head and you're like, ah, I'm doing these great things. Like it's a journey to get there. So can you share a little bit about your background and how you have gotten to where you are today? So this morning I roll out of bed, I hit my head and then it was just awesome. And I did all this great stuff. That is the short version, which of course has nothing to do with reality. Reality is that around 20 years ago, I dropped out of the university because I wasn't smart enough for it. Even though in Denmark, we get paid to study. So there was that. And then I decided, what should I do with my, ah, exactly. What should I do with my life when I'm not studying and not getting paid to study? Mentioned it again. And then I thought, well, I have role-playing as a hobby. And I might try to make a career out of that because that's not really a thing. At least it wasn't 20 years ago. And then I spent 15 years of my life building the world's largest live action role play studio, which is not that large. We're not talking Disney. We were, when we were at our highest, we were 50 people, which is nothing, but was big in that industry, which is emerging. And that crashed and burned a couple of years ago. So I did some really big, crazy, amazing stuff and saw it all burn in flames in March 2019 when finally there was no more, like, Like, well, it didn't burn, but it literally crashed and I, 
it didn't burn. No okay, burning. Okay. I'm like but thinking it, the greatest the show. Man. Crap. <laughs> there was a lot of show, though. There was a lot of show. we did crazy stuff. We did uh, a world famous Harry Potter event at a castle in Poland that went viral five, six years back. I think one of the crazier things I've done with that is that we drove Route 66 with a fake rock band playing oh real gigs along the way. So for a week, we were the pretend band, the Runaway Sound, and I was Rick Stevenson, music video producer, at your service. Uh, that was pretty crazy. Pretending to be somebody else for a week and doing a road trip at the same time. That was fun. But that came crashing down in March 2019, leaving me with a personal debt of just over a million US dollars. Wow. Don't do that. My first piece of advice to our listeners, do not crash and burn and end up with a million dollar debt. Mm -hmm. It's much less fun than it sounds. Mm -hmm. And I even make it sound fun, right? So, so that, and then I need to reinvent myself because I had all these experience building skills and networks and production skills and yada yada and was used to making pretty crazy stuff from nothing and then i started venturing a little bit more into the corporate world working with things like innovation and storytelling and culture and leadership and blah 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 um and that's where i reside to this day mostly so today i still do experience design i'm the director of something called the College of Extraordinary Experiences, which naturally takes place at a 13th century castle in Poland. And then I, for my corporate chops, I'm also a coach at McKinsey and Company. So when people are like, oh, you long-haired hippie, why should we listen to you? Then I dust off that and then say, okay, if they listen, so will we. So there's there's that and there's a lot of stuff in between. There's There's a construction business. There's a ruby hunting in Greenland if we want to talk the exotic stuff. And then there's overpriced consulting. Like, but hold on, ruby hunting? Like uh -huh. stones? Aha, uh -huh. yeah. So imagine that you're a, on a cruise ship and the cruise ship docks in Nuuk, the capital of Greenland. Okay. And you get off with your husband, wife, children, whatever is going on. You get off and you know, we have a day in Nuuk. What are we going to do? Some people go to a local bar, get into a fight. Some go out dog sledding. Some just watch the beautiful uh, kind of uh, low nature. Some go on a helicopter trip. Well, we offer ruby hunting trips. So you go in a helicopter, you go with our team of ruby hunters to secret locations in the mountains, in kind of the, the tundra, if you want. And there you find rubies, like actual live gemstones pried with your own hands from the ground wow thank you i've never heard of anything like that that's it's that's just so neat that's so neat that's so different. It's, it's pretty crazy and of course due to corona we're only going to start in earnest from next year uh -huh. <clears throat> because normally 50 cruise ships dock at nuke uh Greenland capital dock there per year, but now due to Corona, of course, that number is significantly less. But yeah. once the next summer hits, that's when it's going to start for real. For and real. for now, we're also just selling the gemstones. And, and so I'm in the, the gemstone trade, if you will. Okay, so all are, are all we've, we've got to put all of these links to all these cool things so that anybody listening or watching, because 
most people multitask while they're listening or watching a podcast. And so I'm like, okay, I want to check this out because it just seems really cool. So before we talk about some of like how important role-playing is, I want to go back because you have done some stuff in reality TV. So I want to know like, what's the craziest story? Because we all have the crazy stories from like the scripted reality TV. So is there something where people just can't pick their jaw up off the ground where you're like, yeah, that's real shit. That really happened. Like, what's the craziest thing? So I've done two reality TV shows. And the, the first one was 16 self-declared nerds who didn't know how to play football, European style football, being coached for three months by a professional and then facing a elite team at the national stadium. So it was kind of a feel good, get in shape, have fun watch these weirdos develop and do strange stuff. And then they play football. And it was back in 2004, it was the first truly positive, non-competitive uh, reality TV show on the planet. So everything up till then was like 16 people have a parachute, 15 of them steal it from the other, that sort of thing, or here's the island, vote out the people you don't like. But this was, nobody got voted out. This was just a development journey of fun. So I was on that for two years and uh, and was in Denmark at the time, like a kind of C-list celebrity. Um, not anything serious, but enough that I couldn't walk the streets of, of the capital without signing autographs. That was surreal for being bad at something. So that was the one the one reality TV show experience, but the crazy one, the crazy one was in the US in 2017, was on a West Texas investors club reality TV show called Rooster and Butch, an offspring of MSNBC's, the West Texas investors club. Okay. So essentially it's sort of like shark investor TV show just in West Texas. Okay. And there, among other things that I did, I, uh, I got to uh, wrestle Matthew McConaughey's bigger brother, older brother, in a pool because he's a, he's a, a millionaire investor who's done a big gig in the oil business, amongst other things. So I got to uh -huh. wrestle him in a pool. And since uh, Rooster, as, is, as he, he, he goes by, um, he's about 20 years older than I am. And he was better at wrestling than I was, but he was both 20 years older and about, let's just call it 40 pounds lighter. So picture there's this swimming pool and uh, we're wrestling in the pool. Yes. So we're in a swimming pool. Rooster is uh, trying to wrestle me, but sadly he's too light and a little bit too old. So I get him and grab him and have him over my shoulder like because it's a pool so I can walk in so I have him up over my shoulder with the solid grip on his swimming shorts so he can't really move and then I wade in the pool over to where there's like one of these uh, inflated beer cooler things and take a beer and open it and drink that and the tv the tv crew is like they're they, they've got solid gold they're like just yes more 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 of this and of course it doesn't serve any purpose it's just pure showmanship yeah. Um, and sadly, sadly, that that whole wrestling thing in the pool only made it to the trailer. The whole part, they ended up cutting it out because it took out too much time. But I did get to have Matthew McConaughey's older brother on my shoulder while drinking beer 
in front of a, a TV camera. So that was fun. <laughs> but you've done so, I mean, from, from that to like what you're doing now is, I mean, you've just, you've done so much. Do you sing too? Badly. I've actually considered learning how to sing because I think it would be fun to be on stage that way, but I sing badly. Sadly. <laughs> well, I saw Sadly a picture bad. on your, on your LinkedIn and it looks like a bunch of singers. And so I'm like, does he sing too? That's awesome. <laughs> I'd love to learn, but I never seem to find the time, especially yeah. now that I'm a parent. Yes. Y'all, he has a three-year-old, a three-year-old little girl, which is awesome. So let's jump into role-playing. So tell us like all the, the, all the university stuff and all the stuff that you're doing right now. Why are senior creatives, like, why is it good to role-play? Why is that so important? So first off, ironically, I don't really do that much role-playing stuff anymore professionally, um, but I'm of course still an advocate and I use some techniques and, and ideas when doing things, but I no longer kind of make my living in the role-playing space. However, one of the things that most people don't know about role-playing is the way the mind functions neurologically, yada, yada, is that we don't know, our brains don't recognize the difference between fiction and facts so if i walk into a room you've never met me and you say hey brother good to see you and i say hey sis good to see you then our brains will say oh apparently we have more siblings than we thought because it doesn't distinguish between what is what we call consensus reality like things we agree on like laws and politics and tv shows and right and left hand and that language and fiction so to the mind, Harry Potter is just as real as Donald Trump. And we'll just let that one stand there without laughing too much at who should be real and who should not be. But to the mind, there's no difference between the fictional characters and the nonfiction. So if you pretend to be somebody else, your mind says, oh, now I'm somebody else. And if you step into a role-playing scenario where everybody's dressed up as pirates or English nobles in the early 20th century, or Harry Potter for that matter, then the mind says, oh, apparently this is real now. And what that means is that if you watch a movie and it kind of it grips you, then there may be tears, there may be laughter, you may feel yourself transported into its universe if it's really good and catches you. You're sitting there like, oh, will they, won't they, or is the killer there, or you're, kind of, you're immersed in the movie. Now that's when you're sitting and there's a screen. Now imagine you're there, you're physically there. You are in, you're on the boat and the captain roars, man the guns and there's thunder and lightning. There's not thunder, but there's sounds of thunder and it's a real thing. You, then your mind says, oh, this is reality now. And that means that role-playing experiences, especially the ones where we dress up in costume and go crazy, whether they're about orcs and elves or junior high school, they have, they have the power to be incredibly immersive. And that also means that while the stories are fake, the emotions are real. So even if you're, you're pretending to be this elven lord and you have a romance at midnight and he doesn't show up, then even though you know you're just playing around and it's just, you're, you're just pretending, it's just play 
the stab that your heart will feel is real because the emotions are real and the betrayal is real even if you know it's just pretend that's why role playing is cool it's so neat because whenever i was reading about you and and looking into some things like we both are so into productivity and and we help a lot of people like work differently and it's all about mindset and you don't know what you don't know and so but the way that you approach productivity is, is a much more fun way where I'm like, get shit done, GSD. But it's like, it's so, what you're saying is so meaningful and so important because if you're, if you don't feel it and if there's no emotion to it, it's like, why are you doing it? Like there, there has to be something behind that where people remember the feeling of it. and it's, it's just, it's so different. It's so interesting. And the fun approach that you take is just, is, is, uh, infectious, like in such a great way. It's like you make people laugh and you want people to remember how they can do these things and how they can work differently. But the way that you bring creativity and role-playing is is very unique i haven't met anybody yet that does that like you're the guy which is so cool and so neat but can anybody do it like you know there's all different types of personalities in the world and you know i'm really big into like all these different personality i don't like to call them tests i call them activities because i want them to be fun but you know you've got some people that they're like they seem so serious and like, they're just number junkies and research junkies. And they're like, I'm not a creative, like you creatives. Like I've literally had people say to my face, which it doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Like you're so ADD. Like, can you just stay on track and like quit being a creative and like, just talk about one thing and pay attention. And I'm like, Oh, I thought I was trying to pay attention. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but like, can everyone really, how do you like, I know you mentioned tactics and we'll talk about books in a minute, but like, what are some things if there's people and a, and a lot of people that listen and watch their creatives, like you guys know you're creatives, but if you're around people, because we all have clients, we all have coworkers and team members, employees that they label themselves like I'm not a creative. How do, what are some tactics that people can do? Like, can everyone tap into the creativity of role-playing? Yes, and, and, and one of the things that when I do like corporate workshops, that sort of thing, it doesn't take much. So one of the exercises or workshops or simulations, whatever you want to call it, that I often run with kind of high-powered corporates is a thing called Rockstar Media. And it's very simple. The setup is very simple. I take some of the participants, a certain number, like six, seven or so of them, and they are now transformed. And now they are Rockstar Media, which is an advertising agency. They're the best, simply. And then the rest get to watch. So it's like a little bit forum theater, that sort of thing. So the rest are the audience. And then one person is chosen. Usually it's not somebody from the group. It'll be like a facilitator or somebody I grab from the nearby office who will pretend to be the customer. And the setting is simple. The customer comes in, the customer has an idea for a dating app, and the customer wants help from legendary rock star media. So far, so good. Now we set a few social dramatic rules. We take the world of stock photos and make it come to life. You know, these glitzy photos online where everybody's like, yeah, 
you're the best, that sort of thing. So we pretend we live in the stock photo world for half an hour. And in that world, there are three rules. One is everything's the best. Everybody's awesome. There's no, no, everything's just, yes, that's cool. Yes, and instead of no, but it's yes, and all the time. Number two is there's no subtext. There's no irony. There's no flirting. There's no, oh, that's a great idea, Patrick. It's like everything is just exactly what it is. And the third is it's, it's hand gestures and movement and let's do it this way. Oh, and let me, let me draw something here on the wall, that sort of thing. And when you take people, it doesn't matter if they work in accounting or if they see if they're number crunchers or they're programmers or if they're painters, if they see themselves, it doesn't matter if they see themselves as boring people give them that sort of alibi, set that sort of stage, and they go crazy. Then in a moment, like the guy who hasn't said anything will be jumping up there and say, well, I envision a box and we'll call it love box, box love, get it? And they're like, what's going on here? And it doesn't take more than that staging to get people to kind of come out of their shell because at the end of the day, it's all about alibi, alibi for, for behavior. If I tell you, now let's pretend you're a Disney princess and you get to sing your favorite song. I've given you permission to do something that you secretly want, we both know it, but you're not doing because you're like, oh, professional face, that sort of thing. But the moment I say I have a challenge for you, it's like bachelor parties. Bachelor parties give people alibi to be stupid. They secretly want to be stupid all the time. We do, of course, but when you're at a bachelor party, that's the explanation. Somebody comes and says, excuse me, ma'am, why are you dressed as a pumpkin on Fifth Avenue trying to storm this Macy's? It's a bachelor party. Oh, okay, fine, fine, fine. Because you have an alibi. Yep. And that's what role-playing is. That's what simulations do. That's what, that's what I generally do with my work is provide people, not safe spaces, but like safer spaces and alibi to do things differently and then afterwards pull them out and say, okay, what do we learn from that? That's, it's so true though. It's like, we live, like, I know a lot of people that live half of their, over half of their life, like in, in this box, because you said the box and it's like, get out of the box. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think that I would have never lasted in healthcare like as a career, like it was a great learning experience and yes, it made money and, you know, I was good at it, but you have to act a certain way. You have to do a certain thing. You like, if I was, I'll never forget, like one of my bosses at the time, like reprimanded me because she didn't follow up on something. And then I followed up on it, but that that made her look bad. And I'm like, what kind of shit is this? Like, yep. I'm just trying to help people here. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm just a, an over communicator. Like I kind of grew up like that. So, um, you know, I, then you start to figure out like, oh, I'm not going to fit into this. Like it, I'm so in a box and it's like, you just want to break out of the box. But then when you go own your own company, you can kind of pick and choose the people that you are around, the people you work around, choose your clients, and you seem to attract what you are. And so things are a lot more fun that way. And you can like break out of the box. 
but I just, I love your whole, like G like your whole GSD, like get shit done. I'm like, this is my language, but it's, it's just, it's so fun. And so when you, did you decide to start your YouTube channel so that you could like spread the fun and spread the wealth of like letting people know that anybody can be creative and anybody can be in this mindset. You feel like people really just, they need the permission. So I wish I could say yes, but the truth is that for many years, I didn't have you, I had a YouTube channel that had just like silly stuff. Like here's how we fight at the office or here's how we're drunk in idiotic places. That's sort of just like a normal YouTube, right? And then when we were running these crazy events, of course, we had a company YouTube that had impressive trailers, kind of really cool, flashy stuff. Um, and then afterwards, when I stopped doing that and started doing the more stuff, then I didn't use it for anything. And then some time ago, last year, no, actually, this was this spring, early this year, a friend of mine said, Klaus, you want to do more keynotes, right? Just trying to do some more keynotes on innovation. And he said, and I said, yeah, but I'm doing everything I can. I can take every speaking opportunity, I get some are paid, some are unpaid, that's fine. And he said, but what, what, why don't you just get up in front of the camera and talk? I said, oh, you mean like pick a subject and pretend somebody's listening? He said, yeah, but don't you actually have an audience? I said, oh, maybe I do. So I did the stupid thing, which was I did a hundred keynotes in a hundred days. I saw that and, and uh, I love it. And they're on speaking of the productivity thing, and they're on the YouTube channel. And of course, part of that is is the alibi of saying I'm doing this gives you the alibi to not only do it, but it also the discipline to get it done. Because if I just said I'll do it when I feel like, it would never have gotten there. And and I mean, some of what you I know you do a lot of amazing work, but some of what you do with the podcast is exactly this: providing people with alibi from the moment they're on. There's a certain mood, there's a certain like, you can feel safe here, it's gonna be fun, we're gonna talk about serious stuff, but we're also gonna laugh. There may even be a little bit of, a, of, of weird stuff going on. And then people go, ah, I can be me. Where there are other podcasts where people are like, if you say something wrong, you will be murdered and removed from our email list in that order. And part of that, providing that alibi just by behavior is extremely powerful. And whether it's used for productivity, as you know, I've stolen the get shit done. I just call it the art of getting shit done. I love it. And then it. I use the whole playful productivity because it sounds fun, right? Um, or if it's used for entertainment or for something. But this, this idea of saying it's okay to behave in a certain way. We can change the social rules. We can change not only our own behavior, but also what is permissible in a group and we can do that by agreeing on it we can do it by example we can do it covertly all these sort of this mindset change behavior change leads to whether it's getting shit done whether it's being more vulnerable whether it's whatever it is that is it's kind of a, a means to an end that starts with this giving alibi to people to be different speech over sorry no, I love it. Well, and it, it does, it takes such discipline and it's one of the things with content creation and, you know, we have clients that they're like, I want to do 
what you've been doing and what that wash, rinse, repeat thing. And when we first started helping clients do it, uh, they would start off good, you know, in the first 30 days, but it was a 90 day commitment, 90 days every day. And then they would just kind of, they would pay for it. And then they would just like drop off the face of the earth. And then I felt like a mom, like chasing them. It's crazy. I'm like, you paid for this, but, and you wanted accountability. And so then I got a little bit smarter and I'm like, okay, we're not launching anyone's anything until we produce the content and we have 90 days worth of content in hand. And then we'll launch the stuff because then we can get the data and then we can show them that you can build an audience, but you have to be consistent. It doesn't have to be perfect. The lighting doesn't have to be perfect. The audio doesn't, I mean, but you've, you've got to be consistent with your message and, and connect with your audience. And you can connect with people in your living room over YouTube or over a podcast. It's, it's incredible, but you have to be consistent. And so I know that you have the dedication and the consistency because you've written how many books, a lot of books, like 30, 34. So for someone who, who is listening or watching that wants to do a book or finish a book or, or start a YouTube channel, it takes dedication, but what advice can you give to them? Because I know that wash, rinse, repeating content, if you have a whole year's worth of content and you're consistent with a tip series, I don't know if if you're going to do this, but taking your hundred keynotes and giving it to an editor and say, here to put all my keynotes in a book. And then that'll be a book at the end of the year, but learning how to do that, but it's still having the discipline to sit down and like, do you, do, again, do you roll out of bed in the morning and say, today, I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to talk about something different for a hundred days. Or did you sit down and map out or like all over the wall with different colors and say, okay, here's five strategies. And within five strategies, there's 20 topics within each strategy. And each day for a hundred days, I'm going to talk about, you know, these, how does your brain work when you're like processing all this information to have the discipline to finish these things? Because I know if people are watching, they want to know how the hell do you do it? So I'm going to answer, thanks for that. And and you, you could not be more right in the whole rinse, wash, repeat. I'm going to answer in two parts. One is I don't have a very good process. I mean, sometimes, yes, especially when I'm doing client work, it's like the the five strategies and the 20 things and you put them, that's how I do books. I do the table of contents and then I just write. But I think the answer that I like the best, and I sadly, I don't remember giving it. I'm very proud of this, but I don't remember giving it because it was a party. I was apparently drunk at the time. But a good friend came and said, Klaus, how have you written 28 books? This was some few years ago. And apparently I look him straight in the eye, get a little bit too close. I say, slowly, one chapter at a time. And I think that's the secret. The secret is whatever you're doing, books, YouTube, podcasts, blogs, vlogs, tweets, make the building blocks so small that adding another building block is not a challenge. Because if you could do that, then if you could do one, you could do two. If you could do two, you can do three. Da, 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 da. 
And then, of course, you can get the whole repurposing. Right now, my my uh, my videos are being repurposed as blog posts, as podcasts, as blah blah blah. But if you can get that, getting that simple one thing done, and what I find, especially with books, is people say, "I want to write a book." I say, "Okay, it's good. Write me one page that could be in that book. One page. Ninety percent fail." Yep. No wonder it's not going to happen. But if you can write that one page, then you just need to do the table of contents and figure out what's on the other pages. And then you just write them one at a time. There's, of course, a whole science to how, how you actually get that done. We both, that's what we charge money for, right? That's right. So we'll, kind of, we'll tease it, but not say it. But right. at its core is, is, for me at least, is getting it down to where things actually get done. And I would always recommend people, if they had to choose between quality and something that is fun and easy my first podcast i ended up doing i think it was 83 episodes on my own and then uh, a friend joined then we did 20 more and then it failed from there but the 83 episodes i would literally take up my phone and then i would turn record and then i would talk i would say welcome to the role-playing podcast this is klaus episode 16 and then I would talk, and then when I was done, didn't want to talk anymore, I would say, blah, 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 thank you. And then I'd upload it. No editing, no quality control, never. It's about the value, and it has something has to be valuable and entertaining, and people have to feel good when they're consuming it. And I love, like, your approach of, like, it doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to get your message out there. And that's all that matters. Like it really doesn't have to be perfect. And people care so much about what other people think. I don't understand that. I really don't. But I had a girl on the podcast a, a year or so ago, and she was talking about this book, like empowering yourself and the pie, like P is performance, which nowadays is like 10% of the, the performance. The I is image is like 30%. And the exposure is 60%. And so the people that are exposing themselves in terms of like social media and getting your message out there, those are the people that are winning. Those are the people that are showing up because they're building an audience. So quit being afraid of what people think about you. And if you, if you guys want to take on this whole fun approach of like role-playing and have, having more fun with things with your message then I think people wouldn't take themselves so seriously and then they wouldn't be scared to post their content. What do you think? <laughs> I think it's one of those nice things where, you know, you have a speaker at some convention and then somebody gets up from the audience and says, hi, my name is Tammy Lynn. I'm from Alabama. I went to this university. I have a small business. I'm a mom with two daughters. And then five minutes later, do you agree? Of course I agree. How could I not agree? That was not a question. That was just that was just a statement that I could sign on to and wave the flag from behind. I love that. No, of course I agree. It is exactly like that. And and it's it's so easy to be afraid of production value. It's so easy to say, oh, but it needs to be better. Well, the thing is when you start doing something, then you go out and you buy the better microphone. Then you realize you do a lot of uh, 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 because you heard yourself. Then you find out that maybe your French wasn't that good and you need to take a language class. 
but doing it is a lot better than not doing it. And I think it's, it's very often that people forget what it's like to be on the receiving end. Podcasts, we, we both have a passion for podcasts, obviously. Yep. I listen to podcasts. I have four times, four, four kind of places where I listen to podcasts when I'm cooking, because then I listen, I use my hands for making the food, and then the podcast is playing. When I'm biking uh, on kind of peaceful roads, then I listen to podcasts. When I'm showering, because it's not that interesting, and I get to learn something. And finally, when I'm walking uh, my daughter with kind of when she's sleeping which is less so now that she's a bit older, but that means this is when I listen to podcasts. And if the experience somebody's providing fits that mood, then I'm gonna do it. And if somebody, it doesn't matter how good their YouTube video is, I'm not gonna watch it while I'm cooking because I need to actually focus on the food. So if you wanna do something, figure out, think of in detail, what will it look like when it's consumed? Is this something that people tune into on their car to work? Is this something where they sit with the family and go, wow, it's Angela's show? Or, or what is like, what is the actual act of consuming your content look like? And then do something that works for them would be my advice that nobody asked for. Well, no, that's the key. What you just said is so important, you guys, because what you want to do versus how the person needs to hear it or see it is two different things. And I learned that the hard way. I'm like, but I want to tell everybody about all these great apps and the new iOS update. And some people care and some people really don't care, <laughs> but I care. And it makes my life better. It makes my life more productive, but I've learned like, you can't just be like dry with it and and say like, well, this is how you do it. It's so easy. Are you an idiot? Can't you figure it out? Well, if you don't use it 50 times a day, you're not really an ex. You're really not an expert at something until you do it. I think somebody said like something for a few, so many hours. I can't remember. It was in a podcast I was listening to. They're like, if you've spent 2,500 hours doing something, like you pretty much are an expert at it but not everybody lives in productivity expert land all the time. Not everyone's obsessed with time blocking and time management. And I started to realize like a lot of the things that I was talking about, I loved it, but the people that were consuming it, some of them were being forced to watch it. And that's not fun when you're being forced. So what you said is so important is you've got to create for the way people consume it. So that's like one of the key takeaways here. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, <laughs> but no, I had to like, it's so I, important. I could not agree more. And I think as a similar, now we're going to put it, kind of put it to the test in a weird way. But imagine that you are, you're a podcast, right? And you usually watch this while you're sitting at your desk and you're concentrating on work, but you kind of, you like learning in the background. Then that'll work if there's like a calm voice talking about volcanoes and how volcanoes affect our ecosystem. You can have that while answering your mails. But if half of the podcast is, I'm a monkey, here are monkey noises. That's gonna be really weird. You're not gonna be able to do that in the same time as you're answering your emails. So if you want to catch people who'd have you kind of as a background noise, but still paying attention, then you need to be calm and relaxed and they need to be able to zone out a bit but if you want them to kind of be, this is what they're focusing on and nothing else, 
then you need to kind of have them on the edge of their seat and like, oh, maybe I'm naked now. Oh, maybe we're on fire. I'm not going to do either of those. Uh, <laughs> not today. But if you want people to, to, to consume it that way, then you should do something where it's unpredictable, where if you want it to be stable and something they're doing while they're doing something else, then you need to be, then you can't be too crazy or too exotic because then it will not work for what they're doing. It's so true. It's so true. And a lot of people don't think about it on that side. It's like, okay, you know, there's a few different categories I would say is like, do you want to be in the background? Like you said. And so when mapping out content, it's like some of the stuff that, that even I talk like to get into iOS and like, it's like, you got to pay attention like a hundred percent or like, you're not going to get it. And the way people, and it depends on the platform too, right? It's a little bit of a different conversation because if it's on TikTok, which when I first got on, I'm like, I cannot talk in 15 seconds. Like how do people make a difference in 15 seconds? But guess what? I practiced and I learned, and then you could like fast forward your voice. And then I'd learned how to edit an InShot on my phone. And it got me real efficient in 15 seconds on how to teach somebody how to do something really simple. And that's why TikTok has done so well. I don't know why they added three minute videos or because I, I think people like, like to consume the small things. And that's the other thing, just because you and I could sit down and write a book in a day, maybe, you know, if my calendar says it, like I'll, I'll make myself do it. But from a creative perspective, it's probably not going to be as good as if it's like, okay, a day a month, you know, or a few hours out of the year, then I'll finish the book in a year. It, the outcome will probably be a little bit better because I was creative in doing it and not like forcing myself to do it. But sometimes to finish something, you got to make yourself sit down and do it. I just, I think it's so impressive to, to say, I'm going to do a hundred keynotes in a hundred days. It, did you start that when, because as we wrap up, like, I know that a lot has changed in the world and no matter where you are in the world, us, Denmark, wherever we've all been, (laughs) we've all experienced a lot of change, you know, depending on when you're listening or watching this, you know, there was this thing in 2020 called the pandemic, but innovation, it seems to me because your personality, there's no problem with ideas and innovation, but not everyone has that personality of like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to innovate and I'm going to be creative. So what's your last piece of advice or takeaway for someone who needs that creativity and needs that innovation and needs that extra push? Like what's a tactic or something that they can do to bring more of that into their life and into their business? No pressure, no pressure. So the thing I often say when people ask me about what is the core of innovation, what's kind of, what's the, what's the meat, right? Is I say innovation is doing stuff. Everybody has ideas. You have a million ideas a second. Some of us are more trained at recognizing them, but we all live like constant squirrels. We're walking around like, oh, that color would look good in my bedroom. Or I didn't know that that bush resembled the Eiffel Tower. What if I did something with that? We all have ideas. We cannot, as humans, walk around without getting ideas. They just come into our head. Like when you see a new person, you are immediately 
you get like, oh, he might be fun to have dinner with, or I don't want to have dinner with that guy, or he looks my, like my uncle Bruce. It's like these things go snap, snap, snap. The difference is when you decide to do something about it. When you go over to that random guy and say, hey, excuse me, this is kind of weird, but you look like my uncle Bruce. How do you feel about dinner? And probably he's going to say, uh, no, that's weird on so many levels. Thank you, but no. But then you've done it. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe next time you don't use Uncle Bruce. Maybe you tweak your approach. Maybe you ask somebody, but you do something. You get some data. You get some feedback from the real world. And most people stop themselves before doing it. They build up these fear scenarios. Because to most of us, what will happen is the guy will probably say uh, no and walk away. That's the realistic scenario. He might say yes, he might say no, but the fear scenario people build up is that Uncle Bruce looks at them, gets like crazy eyes, pulls out a shotgun and says, you die now, earth scum. So they'd rather not try. And that's so little experimentation. That's if, if I could do one thing with my life, apart from whatever I try, is to make things a little bit more playful, a little bit more experimental, a little bit more people being more willing to try. Sure, it can fail. I'm not saying jump off a bridge and see if you live, but there's so many things where the cost of failure is so low, and yet we don't try. Try just a little bit more, play a little bit more, experiment a little bit more. And now I'm going to stop because I can kind of keep cycling this. And then if you don't get it by now, then you I love it. We'll get it in five minutes. No, it's, it's, I'm done. I'm done. I love it. No, this was great. Try be and be playful. And if anything, like with failure, I don't see it as failure. I don't see it as mistakes. Like we have to fail and make mistakes for new opportunities to be opened and our mind to be open, open differently. And so it's like, we're constantly learning. Like in my head, if we stop learning, I'm, I'm like, I might as well just, you know, be, be done because if, if you're not learning, if you're not doing new things, like how do you get the juices flowing every day? I don't know. So we'll, we'll end it on that. Just try and have fun and be playful with it. I love it. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you and we'll put all the links to your latest book and all the fun stuff in the show notes. So you guys will have to check it out on the blog. Where can people, what's your favorite platform? Where can people connect with you? LinkedIn, 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 and LinkedIn. And I have the advantage. There's only one Klaus Hostel. for better and worse. There's only one. That's amazing. That, that is very unique because there's a lot of angel profits. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> awesome. And everybody listening and watching, thank you so much for your time. Keep on GSD and we're both saying get shit done, but have fun while you're doing it. Try and play while you are GSD. Y'all have a great day or night, depending on when you're listening. Bye y'all. That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? 
One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at AngelaProfit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.